Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. A great good afternoon to you and yours, wherever you are. Really do appreciate you joining us on this Thursday, March 23rd, the year 2023. The NCAA basketball tournament resumes with four games today. News on the LSU baseball front and much, much more all coming your way. We are steered and commandeered by my producer, James Mesh, who's in the Evco Development Studios. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. It's on the campus of Delta Media, which is where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on KLCJ 1041 in Lake Charles. We're streaming around the world. 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be in the Acadiana area, well, you can also uh, check us out on television as we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, we get ready for the four games in the NCAA men's basketball tournament today. And then Friday, LSU's women taking on the Utah Utes in Greenville, South Carolina. Change of plans for game one of the LSU Arkansas baseball series because of uh, a forecast of inclement weather in the Baton Rouge area on Friday afternoon and evening. The game, which was originally scheduled to start at 7 p.m., has been moved to high noon, 12 o'clock. So here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, we'll have LSU Arkansas, number one versus number five in the college baseball polls. And then we'll go from there to Greenville for LSU women's basketball against Utah. So back to back, big time, big time broadcasts. Um, so we got you covered. So just make that note. For you and yours, 12 noon, LSU baseball versus Arkansas. Four o'clock is LSU women's hoops versus Utah. We will get a report on the Utah women's basketball team from Bill Riley coming up in hour number two. Bill is the play-by-play voice of Utah. He he does football, basketball, baseball. Uh, The normal women's basketball play-by-play guy is couldn't do the games last weekend and he is flying to greenville during our showtime so bill riley who did the games last weekend is going to join us and tell us give us a scouting report on the utes so we look forward to that Uh, another day of spring football practice uh was today we'll get a report from matthew bruni on that so 
stick around with that. Um, the Pels are back in action, taking on the Charlotte Hornets. Um, and again, no Zion Williamson going to be reevaluated yet again with that right hamstring strain in two weeks. The good news is he's been cleared to return to on-court activities. That's a step in the right direction. Uh, however, when you look at the calendar, even in the best-case scenario, that timetable means the earliest Williamson would return is with just three games left in the regular season. And it seems much more likely that he would not suit up again unless the Pelicans make the play-in tournament or the playoffs. Right now, after action last night, um, the Lakers were winners last night. The Dallas Mavericks got hosed. They got, well, they had a bad play. They had a, just an egregious error by the officials, but it wasn't like the, that was at the end of the game and it decided the outcome of the game. It's just that the bucket that the Golden State Warriors got um, was the differential in the score at the end of the game. But regardless, uh, the Pelicans are 35 and 37. They are um, in 12th place, but with the same record as the Utah Jazz. Both the Jazz and the Pelicans are just a half a game behind the Lakers and the Mavericks. They are one full game behind Oklahoma City and Minnesota. They are two games behind Golden State, who is in the sixth seed. So um, a must-win scenario tonight against the Charlotte Hornets. The Charlotte Hornets have the second-worst record in the East. They've already been eliminated from any possibility of making uh, the play-in tournament at 23-50. and 50. Overall, they are 11-26 and 26 on the road. Uh, if you can't win this one, you just can't win anything at all. Yesterday, C.J. Stroud had his pro day. Today, it was Bryce Young from Alabama. We will talk with Frank Schwab about all of that coming up around 3.30 this afternoon. So sad. So sad. And I know the kid. I know his family from New Orleans, went to Jesuit High School, came to LSU, Foster Moreau was going to sign with the New Orleans Saints. All he had to do was pass a physical that the New Orleans Saints medical staff conducted yesterday. A blessing in disguise? No question. Because that physical conducted by the Saints medical staff showed that For Foster Moreau was diagnosed with Hodgkin lymphoma. And the 25-year-old is stepping away from football while he undergoes treatment. Quote that Morrow wrote on Twitter, through somewhat of a miraculous process, this free agency period has been life-changing for me. During a routine physical conducted by the Saints medical team down in New Orleans, I've come to learn that I have Hodgkin's lymphoma and will be stepping away from football at this time to fight a new opponent, cancer. I'm grateful for the support and thankful for the people who have stood firm with me. There hasn't been a single step I've taken without hundreds of people lighting the path before me, and I will continue to seek their guidance. That being said, I'll go kick this thing's rear end and get back to doing what I love. All the prayers are heading your way, Foster Moreau. Good kid. 
good football player. Um, just I keep I say it every day at the end of my show. Stay healthy. Stay healthy. And I, I and that's the most important thing out there for sure. For sure. Men's basketball news. Um, guard Justice Hill from LSU decided to enter the transfer portal. Now today reports come out that two more LSU players, junior center Kendall Coleman, freshman forward Cornelius Williams, have decided to enter the transfer portal. They didn't play much at all this year, and they're not going to play at all next year because Matt McMahon's got to stock the fridge. He has got to stock the fridge without question, without doubt. So uh, all eyes watching on that front. Who are the best 100 players in baseball? A lot of, lot of polls coming out on all the major websites that are out there. And there's uh, one player for sure that ranks above all others, and that is Shohei Otani because he's a starting pitcher. He's a designated hitter. He is the best of the best. Um, he's 28. He's both one of the most dominant starting pitchers and one of the most feared hitters in the sport, along with being one of the fastest runners. He ranks number one in baseball. His teammate, Mike Trout, ranks number two. All rise. Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees ranks three. Manny Machado of the Padres ranks fourth. Freddie Freeman of the Dodgers ranks fifth. Juan Soto of the Padres at right field is sixth. Julio Rodriguez, the center fielder for the Mariners of Seattle, is ranked number seventh. Trey Turner, the shortstop for the Phillies, is ranked eighth. Mookie, 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 Mookie Betts, the right fielder for the Dodgers, is ranked number nine. And Nolan Arenado of the Cardinals, the third baseman, is ranked number 10. The top-ranked Houston Astro, you've got to go down to... Number 15, Jordan Alvarez is the top-ranked Astro amongst the top 100 players uh, in sports, in, in, in um, Major League Baseball. Again, four games today, Kansas State versus Michigan State in the Sweet 16, followed by UConn versus Arkansas, then Tennessee versus the um, – Cinderella nine seed Florida Atlantic. And then I think the best game of the night, uh, two seeded UCLA versus number three seeded Gonzaga. Our, our lineup today includes coming up here in just a minute. Matthew Bruni was out there at the Ponderosa for another, um, Report on LSU spring football. Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern will give his thoughts on the four Sweet 16 games today. Our number two, Bill Riley, 315, will give us a, an eyeball and an and a earful about Utah and their women's basketball team as the play-by-play -play voice. And then Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports will talk all things NFL. That's your lineup. We're thrilled to be here. We're thankful that you have joined us. And away we go. Up next, Matthew Bruni, LSU Spring Football Report. Next.
This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Yes, the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters are returning to the Cajun Dome Saturday, April 15th. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to help you score tickets to the thrilling show. Text GLOBE, G-L-O-B-E, to 337-283-8100 to score a family four-pack of tickets. That's GLOBE to 337-283-8100. Shoot a text, get your tickets, be amazed at the Globetrotters' famed ball-handling skills dunks and laugh out loud antics tune in every weekday at 8 15 a.m and 3 15 p.m for the lsu sports update presented by tibbs trailers here on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station we are back 16 minutes after the hour we begin our show with talk about lsu Matthew Bruni, um, Bengal Tiger on three.com. Get a little taste of LSU spring football, a little bit of LSU women's basketball versus Utah. Matthew, good afternoon, sir. How are you doing? Hey, Jordy, I'm doing all right. I, I forgot how busy the second half of March was when you got the overlap of all the sports happening, yep. but I'm, I'm doing great. Yeah, you got uh, baseball, basketball, football. Oh, my. Um, let's start with football. You were out there for a little bit of the uh, fourth spring football practice. What was your takeaway from that? Oh, you know, every practice, um, the first 20 minutes at least, is pretty similar um, day in, day out. Uh, nothing great, groundbreaking out there in the first 20. But, you know, you do get to see players um, move around. You get to see tentative, you know, lineups here and there. Uh, you get to see players, you know, like a Javian Toviano run with the ones at times and then run, run with the twos at corner. Um, you know, you get to see players like that move in and out. I think it's it's good to see, a fre- you know, some of the freshmen like Ricky Collins at quarterback. I continue to be impressed with his arm strength. Uh, he can clean up the mechanics and the technique a bit, but he's got plenty of time, obviously, with uh, Jaden and Garrett ahead of him. But um, yeah, then you got the transfers like an Omar Spates at linebacker, you know, Denver Harris at corner, a lot of guys like that uh, moving around and getting some good reps in. So um, another good day of practice. I think on Saturday we should be able to see even more. I, I, I'm, I'm curious about the cornerback uh, rotation. Um, you got Zai Alexander, the Southeastern transfer. You got the Ohio State transfer and J.K. Johnson, the Texas A&M transfer, Denver Harris, uh, Javier Toviano, the early enrollee. Um, what, what have you seen from the secondary to date? I think um, the biggest piece is Denver Harris. Um, he is the one that can be the lockdown cornerback number one, you know, the one that you can put on an island. He has the physical traits he has. He was a five-star guy coming to high school for a reason out of North Shore in Houston. Um, he has everything you want out of a corner, and obviously the only holdup for those who know his story is the fact that he, I mean, basically got kicked off the team at Texas A&M. So, you know, getting him in line, keeping him in line from all accounts. Brian Kelly talked about him uh, being doing well so far, doing everything he's been asked to do, and uh, that will be an interesting storyline to watch. So it starts with him. The rest, you know, can move in and out. Uh, you mentioned J.K. Johnson, Alexander, 
Uh, they've been rotating between the ones and the twos. You have Terrence Welsh, the only returner at corner. Uh, as crazy as it sounds, he's been getting mixed in there with the twos a bit. Uh, Javion Toviano, like you said, um, you know, has been going in and out. So I think the cornerback room is definitely a work in progress. Um, but, you know, if the transfers that they get end up panning out the way we believe them uh, that they should, I think it can look a lot like last year and pre- potentially have more upside than last year as well with the guys like Denver Harris and uh, J.K. Johnson being really highly rated guys out of high school. Bruni, if LSU has an actual spring game this year, and, and the reason being is you just look at the offensive line. you got guys hurt. You've got six scholarship offensive linemen. Um, you, you can't run a scrimmage. You can't run a game with that. So I, I've got to believe LSU's got something else in the works. They haven't said anything, which leads me even further to believe that that is going to be the route that they take. Yeah, you laid it out well. The offensive line is a uh... – dire right now while they wait for those four freshmen to get there they wait for charles turner to get healthy i mean there's player uh, and then miles frazier was banged up as well he should be back though so yeah the, the offensive line alone warrants you not doing too much in the spring game i think uh defensive line also um is not thin but it is a little hit or miss with uh three defensive tackles uh sidelined currently in mason smith mikhail wingo and jordan jefferson uh, then you have the whole cornerback and deep defensive back situation. So I, I'm not sure exactly what they're going to do. I mean, I was over here suggesting they play seven on seven five football. Uh, yeah. Because, but I feel, because I feel like you know the SEC network is going to want something on television. Um, but yeah. you know, like you like you said, who knows? Uh, Brian Kelly has been very non-committal at this point about what they're going to do. All right, so another one under the books. They'll practice again on the Ponderosa on Thursday, and um, we'll move on from there. LSU women's hoops um, tomorrow against Utah. You did an in-depth study on that. Um, Utah's a two-seed. LSU's a three-seed. LSU's favored by five. Why do you think that? Uh, This is, in my opinion, I think this is a pretty good matchup for LSU. Uh, Utah has not played many top defenses. Uh, the only, I believe the only other team they've played in the top 40 in the country in defense is Ole Miss, and they beat Ole Miss by two. And we saw what Ole Miss can obviously do, beating Stanford yeah. a one seed. Um, I, I, I think this is a good matchup for LSU. I think defensively they match up well. Uh, LSU's only losses this year have been to South Carolina and Tennessee, who match up with them athletically, who are very big, you know, can kind of neutralize Reese and uh, Ladeja Williams on the inside. Utah, I don't believe, will be able to do that. I think I could see Reese having 30 and 20. I mean, it could be really big night for her, um, and they might not even need the guards to make shots. Obviously, a lot of people talk about they need more consistency from the guards, and I think that's yeah. true to a degree. But when you, know, when you have a size advantage, the way that they're going to have a size advantage on – uh, Friday, I think they're just going to hammer them on the glass and uh, really just punish them inside. They're, obviously, Utah is a very capable team, uh, elite offense, uh, fourth ranked, fourth in offensive rating in the country. Um, they shoot a lot of threes, so maybe they get hot, but I like LSU uh, as it stands right now. Well, with Indiana getting knocked out, um, boy, yes. that road to the Final Four doesn't yeah. look nearly – I mean, it's going to be tough, but it doesn't look nearly as daunting Let's just say I looked at um, the futures for the uh, on gambling sites 
And uh, LSU, at one point, they've gone from even money at plus 100 to make the Final Four to now minus 130. So they are by far the favorites to make it out of the region. Uh, Utah is obviously, like you said, the two seed. And then the other side, you have, a, I believe, Miami is the nine seed. And then uh, Villanova is the four seed. So, yeah, get through this game, and you're looking pretty good going through the lead eight. As we know, anything can happen. But uh, I feel like that performance against Michigan that LSU had is re- was really a statement to everybody else saying you're going to need – you're going to need to be South Carolina or Tennessee or one of these, you know, great defensive teams to really slow us down. And the key always, more so than, uh, I, and I think LSU's guard play has to get better, but the most important key to LSU from here on out, Angel Reese can't get in foul trouble. She she yeah. got to stay on the court. She can't make silly fouls, no charging fouls. If I'm Kim Muck, I say, look, you play some defense before, your whoever you're guarding has the ball. Once she has the ball, I, don't you reach? Don't you try to block a shot? Just stay. We got to have you in the game. Can't get you in foul yeah. trouble. No, that's that's yeah, that's, that's a great point. That's my biggest concern with Utah. Um, is I think Angel Reese matches up best with their best player. But like you said, I don't I don't really want to run the risk that Angel gets picks up a couple quick fouls. With that mm-hmm. being said. I do think Angel has done a really good job this year of not getting in a lot of foul trouble. Um, last year at Maryland, she averaged over three fouls per game. This year, she's at just over two. Um, she does a really good job not fouling as much. Um, so I'm I'm interested to see how that plays out, but I think that's a great point. And uh, that's going to, obviously, when you have a player of her caliber who can control so much of the game on the glass and on offense, you need her on the court. The one game she got in foul trouble was the first big game. It was at South Carolina, and she had to sit early, and that changed the entire complexion of the game. Um, So, again, she's got to stay out of foul trouble. LSU baseball versus Arkansas. They've already moved Friday's game to a noon start. This is number one versus number five. This is only the second weekend series, but what a huge one. Yeah, this is a uh, massive game. Jay Johnson was kind of a – reluctant to move it it sounded like obviously because it is such a big game and it's their first you know home series of this caliber in here but i think he understood as well you know next week it's it's tennessee coming in you know it's going to be plenty of good teams coming through the box throughout this season um and even though you have to move a friday game up and you might have to play a double header on saturday you know so much is on the fence still at this moment but I, I think that was ultimately the right decision, and that's where because they're they're really worried about cutting the game in half and just you know maybe not being able to finish it and all that stuff. Right. So we'll see how that plays out. We will see, Matthew Bruno. You got your plate full, big guy. So you like LSU's women's uh, team to survive in advance, um, and LSU football kind of. Um, just trying to stay healthy. <laughs> Just trying yeah. to stay healthy. Thank you, my friend. Have a great weekend. Enjoy all the hoops tonight. All right. Yes, thanks, Jordy. You know where I'll be. I'll be on the couch for the next two days. Ditto, ditto. Matthew Bruni, Bengal Tiger on 3.com. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we'll analyze the four Sweet 16 games that are under um, under the spotlight tonight with Blake Lavelle next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
Brought to you daily by ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. By the Louisiana Lottery, you can't win until you start playing. D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli, home of the best cheeseburger your mouth has ever tasted. And by Cajun Chef. Ah, do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we are back. Uh, March Madness resumes, thank goodness, tonight with four of the eight Sweet 16 games to take place. Four today, four tomorrow. Let's talk about today's four with a guy that I trust when it comes to college hoops from at 14 Southeastern, the Blue Ribbon Basketball Bible Report, uh, Blake Lavelle. Blake, good afternoon. After a great opening set, a uh, couple of days off, we're back at it, buddy. How are you? Yeah, doing well, Jordan. Good to talk to you as always. What's What's been the biggest takeaway to date from this tournament for you? Well, I mean, I guess, you know, aside just from seeing a 16-1 beat a one again, which I think is, I don't want to say it's going to become the norm, but I think just in this era uh, with transfers and how rosters are constructed, I think yeah. there's a reason we've seen it um, this many times in you know, the past however many years versus never seeing it before that. So uh, I think that's one. But I also think it's just you see some of these teams that have always kind of had it. Um, it's just a matter of can they put it together to get to this point, and I think Arkansas is one of those teams. Michigan State's one of those teams. I think Tennessee's one of those teams. Um, mm-hmm. You could argue Creighton's kind of in there too. Teams are just, I think we knew all season long, had what it takes to, to get here. It's just we saw all the ups and downs, whether it was due to right. injuries, inconsistent play, that kind of stuff. And so um, I think that's kind of one of the main themes too. So. It, it it's a long season, and uh, you know you just got to get to this one finish line before you can start a whole new season in March. And it, it just looks like teams are rejuvenated. So the first game tonight, um, three, three seeded Kansas State versus seventh seeded Michigan State. Michigan State's been a, a great story. They they really played well. Um, but it seems like to me, in this situation, the wrong team is favored. Kansas State's hot. They got the two best players on the court in Noel and Johnson. Man, you tell me your thoughts on this one. Yeah, it is. And I think the reason it, it's, I think a lot of that is Tom Izzo and just sort of the trust. And in him, probably in this sort of scenario where, where you do have kind of a Kansas State team that, a lot of people came out of nowhere. Um, you know, Jerome Tang's first season, I don't know how high the expectations were, but I don't think they were this high uh, for them to be a three seed, you know, in a spot to, to now be two wins away from the Final Four. And, and I'm kind of with you in that. I think that when you look at the, the best players, um, usually can carry you in this kind of spot. I mean, Marquise Noel has been just fantastic. He's easily one of the best guards, I think, in the country, and he's proven that uh, thus far in this tournament. And, you know, Keontae Johnson, of course, from Florida, um, has just really kind of had you know a resurgence here, and he's just really good. I mean, they're they're both very consistent, and I think that's what you want in these kind of games. Is just guys who are very consistent 
Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, Michigan State, I don't think was always the most consistent team during the regular season. Obviously, they put it together with a couple of good wins here. But I would probably lean Kansas State as well. I just think that, you know, again, players that make plays that have that kind of ability, you know, and what's fully should be a close game, I think you would expect just one of those guys uh, for Kansas State to kind of make that final play and, and put them in a, a chance to get to the Elite Eight. So. I'm with you. I like Kansas State in this one. I just I think they have the better players. Uh, I know, you know, look, Izzo has been there and done that. He's been to what 15. Um, he's been to a bunch of Sweet 16s. But Izzo started off where he never once was at one of those. He had to build his way through it. So who knows what this coach who's who's been through it when he was an assistant at Baylor? We'll, we'll see what happens. Boy, what a what an energized game with two very emotional coaches with really good talent across the board. Fourth seeded UConn versus eighth seeded. Arkansas, one of the three remaining SEC teams in the tournament. Boy, if you like backcourt, you got to love Arkansas with Council, Davis, and Black. But if you like Biggs, Adama Sonogo for UConn, he might be the difference maker in this one. How do you see it? Yeah, I think that's the way to put it. I think it's going to be interesting to see which team can kind of get things to go the way they want from a a style standpoint. And and I think the one thing they have in common, and, you know, I said to someone, I I think this is going to be an SEC-type game because UConn's a very physical team. They're they're not having issues at all adjusting to to physical teams like some other teams have in this tournament. Um, That's how they play, too. And I think the, the, the combination of Arkansas and UConn, who are both very physical, playing each other, um, can lead to an SEC-type game in that I think there's going to be a lot of free throws in this one because these two teams tend to foul a lot, and I think that's where you talk about Sonogo, and I think this is the key for Arkansas is, you know, this is a it's a win-or-go-home scenario, and we can kind of look at it and say, well, you know, you never really predict that a guy's going to get in foul trouble. But I think if you're Arkansas, your whole game plan from the start is yes. to really just go at Sonogo, to go at yep. UConn. Um, because I think, you know, they are a team that, that certainly has options, but if he is on the bench for, let's say, an eight-minute stretch of the first half or those kind of things, it completely changes how UConn is going to play. And I just think that for Arkansas, the key is very simple. It's been the same in any game they've played in, in my opinion, down the stretch here. It's just they have to remember what they're good at. And if they do that, they're going to be fine, because I honestly think that, you know, we've seen teams shoot a pretty high percentage. I looked at the numbers. The teams UConn has lost to, these teams really attacked them and shot a very high percentage inside the arc because they got closer shots to the rim. And I think if Arkansas does that, they can have a lot of success. Now, if UConn gets up early and Arkansas decides it wants to be a jump shooting team, then Arkansas is probably going to get beat by 15 or more. That's my opinion on this game. And um, I think Arkansas has got a great chance, but I, I just I love this UConn team, but you just never know in these kind of settings. I think this is the second best game of the four. Um, I just the athleticism on both sides, man. It's just uh, and those coaches, they're not going to sit yep. down uh, maybe at all during the game, <laughs> and they're they're going to be uh, up and about it. Um, game three with a, an eight p.m. start tonight. Fourth seeded Tennessee versus ninth 
seeded FAU. Who says Tennessee can't win without Zakai Ziegler? Because their defense has been so good. FAU's guards playing the top of their game right now. Janelle Davis um, just took over and beat Fairleigh Dickinson in round two. Tennessee's got size. Um, FAU's kind of the one of the Cinderellas still around. What uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think this is certainly an interesting game. Just again from, from just looking at the styles of these two teams, because you know, Florida Atlantic, their strength is they're going to shoot a lot of threes and they're going to make a lot of threes and. You know, that is something when you look at just kind of the distribution of their points, I think they get like 37% of their points from the three, and I think that's in the top 25 nationally. So it is a team that relies on the three, not to say they can't score elsewhere, but they they have had a lot of success, obviously shooting a lot of three-point shots. And so, you know, the issue becomes you're playing the team that has done as well as anybody in the country that ranks first nationally in three-point percentage defense. Now, I always Mm -hmm. say this. Uh, because you have to keep it in you know in context of the SEC. There's not a lot of good shooting teams in the SEC, but you know people have kind of looked at it and said, all right, what's the comparison here for Tennessee for Florida Atlantic? What's the what's the opponent comparison? A lot of people have pointed out Missouri. Um, I think from the shooting standpoint, there are some similarities. Obviously, with with Florida Atlantic and Missouri, two teams that really again get the bulk of their points from the three point shot. But what I don't think Florida Atlantic does that Missouri did. Was they don't they don't really force a lot of turnovers. I think one of the reasons Missouri had a lot of success was because they would get turnovers and they would find a few easier shots out of that. Um, can Florida Atlantic do the same? Because if not, you know what I'm going to say, Jordy. Like if they don't, then it's trying to pick your battle of how you're going to score against a Tennessee team that's going to probably right. make you start your offense at least ten feet further out than you want to. That's no just doubt. the kind of pressure that yep. they're going to put on you. And I don't know if Florida Atlantic can adjust to that. I think for a 33-win team in Conference USA, there is nothing to look at there and not be intimidated by because they are a very, very good team. I think Dusty May has done a great job, former Florida assistant. Um, I think he'll be a power conference coach within the next couple years. But I just wonder, the the problem we saw with Duke is because Duke, in a power conference, could not adjust to the physicality of Tennessee. Florida Atlantic, can they adjust? to the way Tennessee is going to play. I would argue somewhat that maybe you could sort of draw some parallels to the way Florida Atlantic played against Memphis because Memphis is a pretty physical team too, but you just have not seen what Tennessee does, and I think it's hard to replicate that in practice on film. So it's all about can they get out there and adjust because, you know, if Tennessee is playing defense the way it has played defense, I think they win this game. Um if Florida Atlantic hitting shots, Tennessee is one five or six minutes stretch away offensively, Jordy, from getting beat by anybody in the country. So no question. No question. And and it just seems to be, as is year after year, there's there's officiating during the regular season and then there's officiating officiating yep. in the postseason. And much like the NBA, boy, they, they kind of let let teams play now. Uh, and that certainly behooves uh Tennessee by without question, without doubt. I think the last game is the best game of the day. I may be wrong, but I believe second seeded UCLA versus third seeded Gonzaga is um is going going to be terrific we knew what happened the last time they met in the tournament it was a buzzer beater to to win it um both teams have talent i just think drew timmy came back for a reason i don't know how ucla stops him um 
And I don't know how UCLA recovers from losing Jalen Clark. Eventually, I think that catches up with him. I'm I'm big on Gonzaga, uh, but I've been wrong so many times. Give me your thoughts on the Bruins versus the Zags. Yeah, it's fitting. This is the the late night game with the two, you know, West Coast teams here and uh, in Vegas, and it does have kind of the makings of just a, a classic between these two, but. Yeah, you know, I picked Gonzaga before the tournament started to get to the national championship game, and I think that was something that that other people have done too. But the reason why is I think it was just looking at the path, and you know, in all honesty, that path to me included a, a Kansas losing along the way somewhere. Um, okay. It included maybe UCLA struggling even to get to this point, but they have gotten here, and I think the matchup itself, I do feel like there's a lot that can go in Gonzaga's favor because what do we always say? when you have the great defense against the great offense. I think in basketball sometimes the results are a little bit more up and down. I don't know if there's just a consistent trend when it comes to that, but you know, mm-hmm. UCLA, tremendous defensive team. Uh, Gonzaga, from an efficiency standpoint, the best offensive team in the country. Um, I just tend to think in these kind of tournament games, you know, it, it is the team that can kind of get that extra buck. And not to say, I mean, look, UCLA is a very good offensive team too. No doubt. We can't discount that. Um, but I just look at what, like you said, sort of the, the Drew Timmy intangible aspect of this. Like, I think he is just someone who has played in these games, and not to say again, you know, Hawkeyes from UCLA has played in these games too, but um, I just, I don't know, there's something about this Gonzaga team that I really like, and I think when you, again, look at the matchup overall, I always like the teams that really just don't have those huge weaknesses. Now, this is not a great defensive team from Gonzaga, but... Mm-hmm. What we've seen is even some of the best defensive teams have had trouble have trouble stopping them, and they're just able to put up enough points. So that's kind of my guess here is that this one, you know, UCLA I think will try to slow this game down a bit um, because otherwise I think they're in trouble. Uh, but if they do that, you know, make it kind of fewer possessions, they've got a shot here. And, and you know, again, maybe the rightful favorite to win this game, but there's just something about the Zags. So I think I'm going to stick with them in this spot. I'm with you. I, I had the Zags going all the way, and. Actually, had the Zags winning the whole thing. Um, crazy me. I just think uh, Timmy is the is the scaled down version of Leitner. He just is. He's just so smart. He's so his footwork is just. He's he's a great college player. He's not gonna make it in the. He's not gonna be anything big in the pros. But in college. Man, he just gets buckets. He's smart. He can pass. He screens. He does everything. Um, he does yeah. everything. I, and I think the Zags are due. So I'm with you, with you on that. Well, we had some interesting coaching uh, um, changes and hires. Um, the Big East is trying to get back to the beast <laughs> of the East. Um, who, who, who's more effective? Ed Cooley at Georgetown. Rick Patino at St. John's. Yeah, I'm actually glad. I like to see this from the Big East because I think this is, you know, this is becoming probably my my second favorite basketball conference because I think you just look at the way these teams have been built, and um, I think it's Patino. And and I know again, it's I think you because of the way you can build teams these days, um, you know, you can flip your entire roster in one off season, and I think that's what he'll be able to do in St. John. And I think Ed Cooley will, will be able to certainly get Georgetown turned around pretty quick or, or quickly as well. But, you know, I think we also look at just the starting point, right? Georgetown was mm-hmm. 7-25. Um, you know, St. John's won 18 games a season. And uh, I, I just, you know, we always knew Patino was going to have another one of these jobs. It was just a matter of when, where, how. Um, 
to me, this is like the ultimate fit. Like, why? How would this not make sense for really both parties? You know, okay, he's he's won at Iona for these past several years. Now, kind of his one last shot. Um, you know, at the at the height of a basketball in the Big East, um, it's this is his opportunity, and and I fully think that they're going to get players. You know, they're yeah. going to start winning. Now, the only issue becomes for both of these guys is what we said at the start. It's because of the strength of the Big East now, and. You know, you've got Sean Miller at Xavier. You've got Shaka Smart at Marquette. Um, yeah. You know, UConn still has a chance to play for national championships. Same yeah. thing with Creighton. What a conference. Um, you know, yeah, so it's just, I mean, it's a really tough league. And um, But, yeah, I think these two are only going to make it better in terms of where they are now. And, um, yeah, I, I just, I am I think Patino will have St. John's in the top 25 um, next season. That's that's honestly what I think. So He, he is Blake Lavelle. He's got uh, in Order, he has, let's see if I can remember, Kansas State winning tonight, tennis, um, ooh, you, who'd you pick, UConn or Arkansas? I, Jordy, I think my SEC leaning probably made me pick Arkansas, but I think UConn is the better pick in all honesty. So. Okay, UConn, um, Tennessee, and Gonzaga. Uh, I'm with you on all of them, big guy. I'm with you. Um, can't wait. I know we'll be watching it. Thank you so much for your time. As always, enjoy the madness, my friend. Talk soon. Sounds great, Jordy. Thanks. You're the best. Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern. They do a great, great job. We'll be back to wrap up our number one with a report that says, despite being a small city, New Orleans produces a lot of athletes. We'll tell you about that next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And speaking of them, if you want to see the World Series champs in person, you're in luck because the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our first Astros weekend getaway of the season. Houston takes on the Texas Rangers Saturday, April 15th, and you can be there. Register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian, Houston Downtown, and the game. South West Louisiana Sports Station. Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, Hoss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Four minutes after the hour, according to sports betting site OLBG, the city of New Orleans produces some great athletes. Uh, despite the city not ranking in the nation's top 50 in population, New Orleans has produced the seventh most NFL players in the entirety of the United States. It's just not football either. 30 NBA athletes have been born in New Orleans. New Orleans is the birthplace of 99 MLB athletes. In total, New Orleans has produced 235 NFL players. Overall, the city ranks 14th for major league athletes across all sports. Chicago has produced the most. 
followed by Los Angeles. And third comes in Philadelphia. Now, remember, Chicago, L.A., Philly can also include the NHL in their resume as well. Of course, New Orleans, we don't have any ice around here. We're not we're not ice skating, so we have no hockey, but shows you pretty good. Now, if you take the state of Louisiana and per capita, I'll put it up against anybody, anybody. So. Yeah, we're doing some good. We love to eat our good food. We love to party with with Mardi Gras and St. Patty's Day parades and all that stuff. But we love our sports as well. And we've got some really, really, really good athletes across the board uh, in all of our cities that are out there playing professionally in one sport or another. So way to go. Way to go. Coming up, our number two. We'll recap the headlines of the day. Bill Riley will join us to give us um, his thoughts on the Utah Utes who are taking on Kim Mulkey and the LSU women's basketball team tomorrow, 4 o'clock tip from Greenville, South Carolina. And Frank Schwab will join us as well with anything new and, and late on uh, the NFL. And right now, a lot of the coaches and scouts are at pro days. C.J. Stroud. Yesterday, Bryce Young from Alabama. Today, who's going to be the first quarterback picked by Carolina? Uh, there are going to be a lot of quarterbacks picked. And I'm telling you, Mr. Levis from Kentucky is rising up the charts. And Anthony Richardson from Florida rising up the charts. Three SEC quarterbacks may go in the top five in the draft. Three from the SEC. So we shall see. We shall see. Um, all right. Our number one's in the books. Our number two straight ahead. This is the Jordy Heltberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the defending World Series champion, Houston Astros. Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go. On this Thursday, March 23rd, the year 2023, my main man, James Mesh, in the producer's chair inside the Evco Development Studios. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. He's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses uh, KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on KLCJ 1041 in the lovely village of Lake Charles, streaming around the world 1037thegame.com 1041thegame.com and if you're in the Acadiana area we're also simulcast on stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS fiber little programming note for you and yours tomorrow the LSU baseball game because of um, the fear of inclement weather in the afternoon and evening, late afternoon and the evening, has moved their starting time for week for game one of their three-game series with fifth-ranked Arkansas. That game will now start at 12 o'clock noon on Friday. 12 noon on Friday. So, 
the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We'll have the LSU-Arkansas game at noon. And then depending upon what time that ends, we will take you to Greenville, South Carolina for the Sweet 16 matchup between the LSU women's basketball team and Utah. So we'll have LSU wall-to-wall tomorrow starting at noon. Speaking of women's basketball, Bill Riley will join us here in a few minutes. He is the play-by-play voice of Utah University. The Utes in Salt, beautiful, beautiful Salt Lake City. Oh, i got to tell you a story. Got to tell you a story. So they're having the Winter Olympic Games uh, years ago, years ago, and they're improving all these facilities. They didn't have a hotel that could house, um, you know, all the all the people that are coming in for the Winter Olympics. So they build this hotel. And when I was doing the Hornets games, we stayed there. Oh my gosh! One of the greatest hotels I've ever stayed in. The American, it was called. Huge, just decadent in its decorations and the ambiance. Just the rooms were like, every room was like a suite. It was ridiculous. Ridiculous. Now, there's nothing else to do unless you ski uh, in Salt Lake City. There's certainly no jazz clubs in Salt Lake City. Still ticked off that Utah took the name and kept the name and wouldn't give it back to New Orleans. It's still the greatest name for a sports team anywhere, the New Orleans Jazz. It's perfect. Still mad about that, Utah. Um, but anyway. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll get a report about the uh, LSU women versus Utah with Bill Riley. Frank Schwab will join us in this hour, as he does each and every Thursday from Yahoo Sports, uh, our one of our NFL experts. Speaking of the NFL, just and you heard in the two minute drill, so sad for former Jesuit Blue Jay from New Orleans, LSU Tiger, was about to become a New Orleans Saint. Um, all they had to do was pass his physical that he took yesterday conducted by the New Orleans Saints medical staff and Foster Moreau found out that he was diagnosed with Hodgkin lymphoma and is stepping away from football while he undergoes treatment for that cancer. I, it just floored me. Absolutely floored me. Really good football player, but more importantly, a really good young man from a terrific family. I just I just was devastated when I heard it. So we're all praying for you. Um, Dr. John Amos, the Saints' longtime team physician, helped make the diagnosis. Um, and, of course, this is formerly known as Hodgkin's disease, a form of cancer that begins in the white blood cells and affects the lymphatic system, part of the body's immune system. Oh, my gosh. Um, remember, Morrow played from 2015 to 2019, was a fourth-round pick of the Raiders in 2019. Um, he's a tremendous person on and off the football field. And so... Um, we're praying for you, brother. We are praying for you. Um, looks like the New York jets are trying and trying their, their best to add some draft capital for potential 
for the potential Aaron Rodgers trade. The New York Jets traded wide receiver Elijah Moore to the Cleveland Browns yesterday. Almost simultaneously, they finalized a free agent contract with his replacement, former Kansas City Chief wideout, McCole Hardman. Uh, the, the, the Jets sent Moore and their 2023 third-round pick to the Browns for their second-round pick this year, number 42 overall. The Jets now have two second-round picks, numbers 42 and 43, which they can use as ammunition in their attempts to acquire Rodgers from the Green Bay Packers. We'll see where this thing all holds out. All holds out. LSU football back on the Ponderosa for their fourth practice this spring. Uh, another 20-minute viewing session during individual drills. And, you know, you just, who knows, who knows what you see. The It appears that the depth at cornerback for LSU far exceeds LSU's safety numbers. Uh, right now at the safety position, redshirt freshman Jordan Allen, early enrollee Jordan, uh, uh, is the only healthy scholarship player behind the starters, Greg Brooks and Major Burns. Uh, four-star Kylan Jackson enrolls this summer. LSU may look for a transfer, and uh, Brian Kelly mentioned possibly moving one of the corners um, to try and shore up that one. Um Brian Kelly also said the spring for Harold Perkins would be learning fundamentals. He's already proved his uh, pass rushing ability. And the next step is figuring out how to play inside linebacker. And that's where he's played uh, mainly played thus far during team defensive drills, uh, which is a four two five look Perkins has gone alongside uh, Oregon state transfer, Omar Spates on the first team. Um, so, looking to become a little bit more versatile. The offensive line, uh, Miles Frazier missed his second straight practice. So once again, LSU had six scholarship offensive linemen. They've moved some players there to get through the spring, but the lack of depth meant converted walk-on defensive end Kells Bush got second-team reps at guard. Now LSU's going to add more depth once preseason camp starts. Four freshmen, Maryland transfer Mason Lunsford will arrive this summer. Center Charles Turner will recovered from a knee injury so for now LSU has to be very very careful it goes as it goes through practice and I think because of the lack of bodies on the offensive line I don't think you're going to see a spring game this year I don't I think you're going to see something made for television uh, seven on seven drills individual drills things like that uh, as far as breaking the squad up into purple versus gold whatever you want to call it I just don't think that's going to happen. Just don't think that's going to happen. We will see. Um, LSU will get back on the practice field again on Saturday. So in case you're just joining us, program note, LSU baseball versus Arkansas. Uh, first game Friday. Start time has been moved because of the threat of weather. Instead of a 7 p.m. first pitch, First pitch will be at 12 noon. We'll have the game here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Then we'll take you to Greenville, South Carolina for the Sweet 16 matchup between LSU and Utah. Speaking of Utah, we'll head out there to the great Salt Lake City. Bill Riley will join us next for a primer on the Utes after this timeout. 
This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's crawfish time, right? Yep. And so the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, is giving you a chance to win everything you need to throw the ultimate crawfish boil party. It's the game's ultimate crawfish boil giveaway, cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, and Iron Horse Sales and Service. Go register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score a $500 Visa gift card, a boiling pot, burner, paddle, ice chest, tumblers, chairs, and two giant sacks of live crawfish. Plus, we're throwing in a pair of Astros tickets. Enter now. It's the ultimate crawfish boil giveaway. Cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, Iron Horse Sales and Service, and the game. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. 17 minutes after the hour, welcome back on this Thursday, March 23rd. The men's Sweet 16 begins in earnest today. Tomorrow, all eyes in this area and the great city of Salt Lake City will be focused on Greenville, South Carolina, when LSU and Utah meet up in the Sweet 16. Joining us now, thrilled to get him, the longtime and award-winning play-by-play voice of the Utah Utes. More on the men's side, but I'll tell you the story in just a minute. Uh, but Bill Riley, kind enough to join us. Now, the normal radio play-by-play for the Utes women's basketball team couldn't do the first two games in the tournament. So Bill Riley took over as the professional that he is and watched the Utes take care of business over Gardner-Webb and then Princeton to get um, to the Sweet 16 for only the third time in program history. Bill, thank you so much for the time, man. How are you? I'm uh, I'm good, Jordy, uh, and I'm 2-0 and as a Utah women's basketball <laughs> broadcaster. They should have kept me going. Yeah, I'm telling you, I'm just saying, you never know. Um, boy, what a, what an accomplishment. Uh, God, God how, how giddy is Salt Lake City for this? Because I can tell you, in Baton Rouge, with what Kim Mulkey's done so quickly at LSU with this women's basketball program, hey, people are coming out of the woodworks. I got to imagine the same thing is happening in Great Salt Lake City. Well, it's been a little bit longer of a build for Lynn Roberts. She's in her eighth season, but they they got to the NCAA tournament a year ago and uh, won their first-round game Then had to play in front of 10,000 Texas fans at the Irwin Hmm. Center in Austin and came up a little short there. So they they set their goal to to be able to host this year. Well, they they did more than that. Uh, They they won a share of their first-ever Pac-12 women's basketball uh, uh, regular season title. I mean, when you you tie Stanford – you're doing something because Tara Vandeveer has kind of had a stranglehold on that for a long time. So they had a really good season, and uh, now they're hoping that they can keep that season alive tomorrow uh, in Greenville against the Bayou Bengals. Utah's a two-seed. LSU's a three-seed. This is uh, Utah's first trip to the Sweet 16 since 2006. Boy, boy, they score a lot of points. This is a high-scoring team. Tell me about them. Tell me – give me a little scouting report here. 
Well, they, they play a style. I mean, I'm not saying they are this, but they play a style that's kind of akin to what Golden State plays in the NBA. They've okay. got four and sometimes five shooters on the floor at all times. They averaged about 84 a game. Uh, they were leading the country in scoring for much of the season. They're, they they just they like to get up and down the floor, Jordy, and run, and they shoot a lot of threes, too. They were fifth or sixth in the regular season in the NCAA, and three-pointers made a game at about nine. So, And then, then their best player is the Pac-12 player of the year who's a transfer from USC. She's their kind of their inside threat, but she can play outside, too. Her name's Alyssa Peely, and uh, she came, transferred in from USC, and took this team from being good to being great this year. But they can play five out with Alyssa if they want to. They can play four out and have her play in the post. It's a, it's a good basketball team. And on top of it, they've got good depth. Lynn will play eight or nine players. Usually by the time you get to the tournament, men's or women's, you kind of have your rotation down to six or seven. She'll play eight or nine players every single game because she's got wow. that much depth and talent. That's awesome. Um, Bill Riley with us. Uh, best player, Alyssa Peely, a transfer, best player for LSU, Angel Reese, a transfer. They're going to get theirs. That's the way stars have to be stars, but it always comes down to me, and I played in this tournament years ago. Uh, it always comes down to the secondary players. Um, for LSU, Alexis Morris has to play well, the guard. Has to play well, or LSU can't win in these big type of games. Who's that secondary player for Utah? Well, their, their second all their second player is Gianna Neepkin. She was the freshman of the year in the Pac-12 a year ago, and she's all Pac-12 this year, and she's really, really good. But really, to me, the key for Utah is Alyssa Palmer at um, – or, I'm sorry, Izzy Palmer at, at, at mm -hmm. point guard. She's an Australian. Um, she's, she's a taller point guard at about 5'11". She's a really, really good player. She didn't play the Pac-12 tournament, and they got beat. Their backup point guard's good, but, you know, she's a backup point guard for a reason. They need Izzy Palmer to play well, and they need Gianna Neepkins to play well as well. But more, more than anything else, Jordy, they, they, they got in kind of a rock fight with Princeton. They were up big, and then they just stopped making shots. They were one for 15, which is uncharacteristic from beyond the arc. They're yeah. going to have to shoot it well tomorrow against LSU. If they don't, if they shoot one for 15 or anywhere in that area code again, they're probably going to have their season end tomorrow in Greenville. I'm with you. Um, that, that, that holds true for both teams. Uh, the, you know, LSU's lost twice to South Carolina and to Tennessee. And the, the difference there is both teams were big. Both teams were physical. Some of LSU's bigs got into foul trouble. Um, what size does Utah have besides Pilly? Well, you know, they don't have a lot of tree toppers, if you if you if you know what I mean. They're they're oh, starting five. Peely goes about six one. Jenna John Jenna Johnson goes about six one. You know, they they prefer to play there. They've got a couple of taller gals who come off the bench. Uh Kelsey Reese, another Australian, goes about six three, six four. Uh Peyton McFarlane uh goes about six three, six four as well. But they come off the bench. U Utah starting lineup goes about 6-1. They have about two or three players around 6-1. As I said, they like to you know, kind of spread the floor and shoot it a little bit. So if LSU's got good size, it could be a little challenge. I'd be interested to see if Lynn Roberts plays a little more zone tomorrow uh, to go yeah. against that size. <laughs> 
should be fun. Uh, it, it, it's great for both of these clubs uh, that they can do what they're what they're doing. You still got you get still got snow on the mountaintops up there in Salt Lake City. It's snowing today. It's it's no. spring in Salt Lake City. Sun's out one minute, rains the next minute, snows the next. No. We have had more snow this year than we've had in ten or fifteen years. The ski resorts have record snow. All you Southerners are leaving the humidity to come out here and enjoy the snow for a week or so. So spring breaks in full effect. Yeah, we got plenty of it. What's the best ski resort that's closest to Salt Lake City? You can fly into Salt Lake and go. Well, we have seven ski resorts that are 30 minutes from downtown. Wow. So you got your choice. But we happen to house the Augusta National of ski resorts here. It's called Deer Valley. Uh the best ski resort in North America for about 10 years running. My favorite. Wow. That's where all the, the tourists and the people that have tons of money go. My, my resort, Snowbird, that's where I learned to ski 22 years ago, and that's, that's where a lot of the locals go. It's, it's not for the faint of heart. Let me just say that, Jordy. If you are a, a, a pizza wedge uh, skier, you probably don't want to go to Snowbird. No. It might be, a, might be a bit of a day for you. Deer Valley. I just like to go and see it, to be honest with you. What's I, I think I got the name. The the big hotel that they built for when they had the um the Winter Olympics there. The Amer what was the American? What's it called? The, the, the Grand America. The Grand American. Dude, that that I I did the NBA games for like 15 years on television and um I think that's the best hotel I ever stayed in. And you know, when you do the NBA, they stay in nothing but the best hotels. But that hotel is remarkable. Yeah, it's uh, the 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 uh, the uh, the uh, the one across the street. It's it's called. Um, I forget the name of it now. It's the older of the two hotels. Yes. And when the Olympics were here, um, the uh, so it's called the Little America. And the Great America's across the street. And I was interviewing Bob Costas during the Olympics. And Bob used to come through here for both uh, the NBA, but he did the ABA yeah. way back in the day, yeah. too. Yeah. And I was interviewing him in a suite in the Grand America. And he goes, let me just tell you this. I've been coming to Salt Lake a long time. Nobody will ever confuse the Little America for the Grand America. That much I can tell you. <laughs> we didn't. We weren't in a in a suite, but it looked like a suite. It was so big. I mean, just absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, well, I appreciate the time. I know you. I know you're busy. You got things to do. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. You do your own radio show. You do, man. You just live in the dream, um, and and heading off to Deer Valley for some skiing. That's not a bad gig if you can get. I, I, it. I wish I was. I'm going up to spring football right now to talk to Kyle uh, Whittingham. They had pro day here today. Thirty one uh, NFL teams in to watch Dalton Kincaid and Clark Phillips and others go through the drills, and then day three of spring football for the Utes as we try to. See if we can be three-time Pac-12 champions three in a row out here this year. So it's you know you know how it is. Spring football that's the that's a big deal here, like it is down there too. It is, it is. Well, happy hunting, man. Thank you so much, Bill. I greatly appreciate your time. You're two and zero. Boy, that's putting some serious <laughs> pressure. That's putting some serious pressure on your boy. Uh, I wish him well. We'll see. Jordy, thanks. Have a great time and, and uh, good luck to the Tiger fans. Thank you, buddy. Take care. Bill Riley, the voice of the Utah Utes.
We'll take a timeout. When we come back, uh, the Schwab, Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports, all things NFL, next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Brought to you each and every day by the great folks at ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets with over 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. Eon with three locations, Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery. So many games to play, but you know, you can't win until you actually start playing by DC's Little Capital Exxon uh, with their true soul food deli tucked away in the corner, home of the best cheeseburger you've ever tasted. And by Cajun Chef, do yourself a flavor, turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber for the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your soul go. Just let it shine the hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back 33 minutes after the hour on this Thursday, March 23rd in the year 2023. Um, Boy, the Carolina Panthers are flying all over the world. Yesterday, they were in Columbus, Ohio to see C.J. Stroud throw. Today in Tuscaloosa, Alabama to see Bryce Young throw. They'll be heading to Lexington, Kentucky to see Will Levis. They'll be heading to Gainesville to see Anthony Richardson. The SEC could have three quarterbacks taken in the top five of the upcoming NFL draft. Well, Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports will tell me I'm might be accurate or I might be crazy, but he's kind enough to join us yet again from Denver, Colorado. Frank, good afternoon, sir. Brody, what's going on? Oh, well, I can't. It's hard for me to sink my teeth into football when I've got the Sweet 16 in college hoops. Man, you, have you liked the tournament so far? Oh, it's been a great one. It, it's really, you know, we've had a great mix of the top teams getting through, but you had a few Cinderella's. I don't yeah. like when it's too chalky. I don't honestly like when there's too many Cinderella's. I, I do like to see the best teams play. You know, we saw a couple one seeds go down, but this wasn't a season where it was really top heavy. So yeah. I still think we got a good mix of good teams like UConn, Texas. I mean, teams that weren't necessarily on the one seed, but are solid teams. But then you got the Princetons and the Florida Atlantics, and yeah. I, I love it. I, I think it's really, really good. I've enjoyed the heck out of it. I wish. <laughs> One thing I wish the scoring would go up. I mean, it, the, the shooting's been bad. I mean, we can't get around that. But right. I, I think overall, the just the energy of the tournament, the dramatics of the tournament, the storylines, yeah. it's all been great. The tournament always delivers. When, Jordy, when have we ever come away from an NCAA tournament ne- saying, ah, never. that wasn't the, It, it oh, always delivers. It's the best, it I, to me, the best sporting event in America. It's made for TV. It's made for in-person. It's made for everything. It's just, it's just terrific. Um, okay, I, I talked about the, the quarterbacks. Do you, do you feel like that's the way this draft is going? Maybe, maybe four quarterbacks out of the top five or six picks? 
I do, and I'm not even ruling out one, two, three, four with some trades. I mean, it's it's not a draft that has a Miles Garrett level prospect, uh, you know, at a, at another position. Uh-huh. Will Anderson's a very good player. Jalen Carter, I mean, he's a great player. He has his he has his concerns now, but uh, I, you know, when you look at that, if you look at some of the teams that really desperately need a quarterback, you know, I mean, it, this is your chance to to land one of these guys to feel pretty good about yourselves coming out of this. I could see him going one, two, three, four now. I don't know the order. Uh, everybody seems to think that C.J. Stroud now is a lock for number one based on the betting odds and stuff, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I Bryce Young is a heck of a player. I, really if he good. if he was six four two twenty, he'd be a Trevor Lawrence level prospect. And I get that the, the size matters and the durability matters, but man, it's hard. It's still hard for me as I sit here to to not think Bryce Young goes first overall, given that skill set he has. I think. I think Bryce Young's the best quarterback, but do you think the what's happened with Tua in Miami, the the size comparisons, you think that is affecting what GMs and owners and coaches think about the possibility of a Bryce Young? That's really interesting. I, it can't be helping. Let's put it that way. I mean, it's yeah. so easy to make the comparison. <laughs> I mean, down to the school that. You know, I mean, that's the thing. When you draft the Carolina Panthers, when you draft a quarterback number one, uh, you want that guy to be your guy, I mean, in a perfect world for the next 10, 12 years, more maybe even. And when you start worrying about, is this guy just going to be, you know, getting, once he gets hit by a Miles Garrett, is he going to be able to pop up? I mean, most quarterbacks, and I don't think most people really realize this, but you and I, I mean, we've been around the game a long time. Most of these quarterbacks are huge human beings. Huge. Like Peyton Manning is one of the biggest dudes I've ever met. Brett Favre. Yeah. I mean, these guys, you stand next to them and you're like, wow, these, these are massive, massive human beings. But other guys have gotten, you know, gotten great careers out of not being huge individuals. Lamar Jackson. I mean, he's not a small guy, but he's not big either. Right. So I don't know. I, I, I would take Bryce Young first and just take a risk. But I totally understand that the Panthers – say to themselves, yeah, Stroud doesn't have the ceiling, but he's pretty darn good, and he's probably going to be upright for a long time. Let's just take the chance on him and let somebody else, you know, may, you know, take the risk on uh, Bryce Young, who, who could be an MVP-level player one day if he stays healthy. Mm-hmm. Why does Will Levis, why, why am I thinking Josh Allen, Will Levis? Why? I, I, it's possible. I, I mean, same with Richardson, I guess. I mean, I think that Josh Allen's success in the NFL is going to make a lot of guys like Levis, like Richardson, a lot of money over the next few years because yeah. everybody's going to see that template now. And it's fair, but I, I think it's also fair to point out that Allen put in a ton of work to fix his flaws, a ton. I mean, and, and you know, the Bills coaching staff, Brad Dayball, when he was there, they did a heck of a job molding him, build, you know, building him into a great quarterback. Not everybody puts in that, you know, I mean, it, that's, it's great to think that that's the ceiling, but it, it took a lot to get there. And it's not guaranteed to anybody. And a lot of guys, toolsy guys coming out of college just haven't worked because it's hard to translate just raw tools into the NFL. Now, I mean, it's a, it's a great base to start with. If you, if you draft a, a Will Levis, I mean, you know exactly what you're getting physically. I, I mean, he's a, he, yeah. he's a monster out there. So yeah. I, that's what, you know, a team like the Colts is going to see exactly what you're talking about and say, yeah, he – he, he has his flaws right now, but 
Josh Allen got over him. He can get over him, too. And whether that's right or wrong will be proven over time, but certainly that, that has to be the mindset if you're drafting a guy like Levis or Richardson. With better players around him, maybe he gets better. Um, right, what's the latest yeah. you're hearing about Aaron Rodgers? The Jets traded Elijah Moore to the Browns, got a second-round pick. So now they have picks number 42 and 43. They replaced um, Elijah Moore with McCole Hardman. It seems to me they got their their news. They got the ammunition to acquire Rodgers from the Packers. But what's it going to take? I mean. And that's the interesting thing. It's a rare case where both sides kind of have all the leverage but have none of the leverage. If you look at the Jets side of this, we all know they're all in. Like, this is it. There's no plan B. We talk all we want about Lamar Jackson or whatever, but you don't hire Nathaniel Hackett and sign Alan Lazard and all this stuff to, to go to plan B. You're you gearing up for Rodgers, and the Packers know that. The Jets know that the Packers need to trade Aaron Rodgers now. They're beyond the point of no return, right? Like, I, there's no scenario in my mind where Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback of the Packers ever again. Like, is there for oh. you? Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm totally wrong about that, but no way. I think no the way. Jets understand. Yeah, right. Like, the Jets have to understand that. Like, guys, Aaron's not coming back. We're offering right. you we don't this want package him. of picks. Yeah, why not take it? Yeah, we don't want him. Stay put. Right. Um, and so, and so, who blinks first? Jordy comes down to who blinks first because. Both both sides know the other has to get this deal done. Yes, but, but they're they're in a standoff because they each know the other side has to get this deal. It's really strange. It's really unusual, and yeah. I think it ends up being a package of picks that's not a first round pick, but it's a lot of valuable seconds and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I think agree. if if you're reading between the tea leaves and all that, it seems like the Packers are holding out for a one, and the Jets are saying no way. We'll we'll give you some picks, but not a one. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. Uh, the NFL's a tight-knit fraternity now. I hear there's a Canadian billionaire who's become the newest potential bidder for the Washington Commanders, um, Steve Apostolopoulos, whatever. Um, what, what does the NFL want? What do those owners want? Who do they want to join their fraternity? Jeff Bezos? I don't know. I, I mean, he that, that doesn't gain much steam. I just think that they, just they want somebody who's going to – I think in a, in a perfect world, they just want somebody who's going to be a competent adult in Washington. Right? <laughs> like after the past 25 years or whatever it's been, that, that franchise, which is sitting on you know one of the most valuable pieces of real estate that, yeah. that the NFL has, I mean, Washington, D.C., East Coast, history, uh, a fan base that used to be great, and – it's been all. It's probably the worst franchise in the NFL right now, or at least in a very, very small list, just because the fans have tuned them out. Their stadium is the worst in the NFL right now, probably. Right. I mean, there's probably right. arguments to be made for others, but I think it's Washington Stadium's the worst because Daniel Snyder doesn't have the people skills to get that deal done. Their organization has been run like a frat house now for 20 years based on all these reports. Wow. You just want somebody to go in there and build that franchise up again because it has so much potential, earning potential. Let's just be honest. Let's, yes. The bottom line for the NFL is earning potential. If Washington becomes a contender again, all of a sudden they're selling out their stadium. Their yes. ratings boom. I mean, all their this stuff. New stadium. And right now they're just yeah. wasting away, and they need a yeah. new stadium. Yeah, the stadium's a big deal too. But I don't think that's going to come until the new owner 
comes in and really cleans house and shows the world this is not Daniel Snyder's Washington franchise. This is a new era. We are moving well beyond that. We are going to to restore pride in this franchise again. We're going to bring the fans back. Who I, I know a lot of Washington fans who who have simply said, "I'm done with this team." Like you, got, right. you know, you, your people down there who are Saints fans or whatever. You would never think of leaving the Saints, no matter how bad never. they got. Like, it's just one of those things. I was born in Milwaukee. I'll be a Bucks and Brewers fan till the day I die. No matter yeah. how bad they are or how much they make me upset. I know a lot of Washington <laughs> fans were like, I'm not rooting for this team anymore. No way. Unless Snyder leaves, I'm done. And they got to get those fans back. So, I think the NFL is just looking for, yes, a guy who's got a lot of money and all that kind of stuff. But who's going to come in and clean house and build this franchise back up again? Because, honestly, at some point, the fans deserve that. Yeah. Forbes has listed Washington's franchise valued at $5.6 billion. The NFL oh, League wait. meetings are starting Monday in Phoenix. Is there any big hot topic going on that's on the agenda? I don't think so. I haven't gotten really – I haven't even thought ahead to it, to be honest. So I don't think there's anything completely okay. outstanding, but the commander's thing is, is such a huge topic right now that – I mean, I think that's got to be order number one of business. I mean, like you yeah. said, you're talking about a franchise that – Look, the Denver Broncos went for $4.65 million. I live in Denver. This is not disparaging the city I live in, but it's not Washington as far as the market goes, as far as the potential earning goes. If the Broncos go for four point six five, the Washington franchise would go for $6 billion. So yeah. when you're dealing with that kind of high-level transaction, I guess you'd call it, I think that that's got to be the, the number one thing on the NFL owners' minds next week is what, what do we do about Washington? Who gets it? We can't screw this one up. We need to get this right. Yeah. Do you think there were some owners that um, I, I read, I saw where uh, Roger Goodell's going to get another contract? You think there were some owners that were like, not so, yeah. not so fast? I think so. I, I think there are some owners who have soured on him a little bit. And Jerry Jones is just kind of, now he's got a grudge against Roger a little bit. We've all read about that and how that relationship is soured. And Jerry has a ton of power in the NFL. So I was a little surprised that it, I don't want to say it was easy, but it, that it's already done. Like, it, you know, Roger is kind of, it, it almost seemed like it just happened suddenly out of thin air. Yeah. Like, oh, Roger's going to be around for another four years or whatever it was. So... <laughs> I do, but I think at the end of the day, they realize, me and you and guys in the media and fans and all that, we can complain about Roger Goodell, but NFL owners look at Roger Goodell as, this guy takes a lot of arrows for us, and he makes us a ton of money. He's He's got the money machine going. Now, whether that's cause and effect, whether Roger is the reason for that or just kind of right, right place, right time, I mean, that's up for debate. But I think the NFL owners look at him and say, we're in an unbelievable time of prosperity for the for the league. Why screw that up? Why why mess with right. mess up what's going on? Let's right. just, yeah, Roger might have some faults, but <laughs> for for what his job is in the NFL owners' minds, he's doing a great job. Yeah, make me money, and he can certainly do that. And he's getting paid quite handsomely to do that Ooh. as well. Um, free agency periods um, in full flux. Um, can you give me a couple of teams you think that really nailed free agency to date? I think the number one team's got to be the Lions. I mean, I, I can't yeah. believe we're living in a time where the Lions are a destination. But I think free agents, <laughs> a few of them, think have about been that. Wait like, a minute. I want to play in Detroit. I'll take less money yeah. to play in Detroit. It's crazy. Like, And I, Cam Sutton, the, the cornerback from the Steelers who signed with them, came out and said, I, I wanted to sign here because this is. I could see what they're building 
Dan Campbell, the guy I want to play for, and a lot of guys Perfect around the league coach. feel the way I do. Like, what? The Detroit Lions? Is that who we're talking about here? It's crazy. I think they've done a great job rebuilding their defense. Really, really well done there. Um, and, I mean, nobody else – I honestly don't think anybody else just killed it. I, I, don't, I don't look at any other team going, whoa, this, this team just put itself on the map. There, there's been some teams that made, have made some really good moves, but a lot of – you know. I, like the Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears did great to get DJ Moore, but their offensive line is still a huge question mark yeah. to me. So yeah. stuff like that, where I don't think there's any team that's just gone about free agency like the Eagles last offseason and just swept the board, and, and every move they've made, I've been like, wow, that's impressive. Yeah. Except the Lions, really. The Lions are the one team to stand out to me as, yeah, this team took a huge step forward. Let me throw something at you. You said it's become a destination place. You know that uh, that HBO Hard Knocks? I think mm-hmm. that actually helped the Lions and oh, their yeah. image and the way that Dan Campbell handles things. I think other players around the league saw that and said, I, I wouldn't mind playing for that guy. 100%. 100%. I mean, you every every team treats hard knocks like, oh, we don't want that distraction, right. blah, blah, blah. I think the Lions embraced it. And Dan Campbell has this kind of you know me we might chuckle about some of the Dan Campbellisms you know biting off kneecaps or whatever the players love him love him they play and you can see that in his first year that at the end of the year when they they started what oh ten and one whatever it was yeah. last four or five games they were playing hard for him they they weren't looking at tea times they were like we're finishing finishing this season off strong now last year they started slow again the problem I'm not I can't give Dan Campbell off the hook for that. But he kept his team involved. He kept his team right in it. And they, they were in the playoff mix right until a couple hours left in the season. I, yeah, I, and I think Hard Knocks absolutely helped the Detroit Lions. They, it got the message out of not just Dan Campbell, but the other assistant coaches that were on there, some of the players that were on there. It, at watching Hard Knocks, like you and I did, it looked like a fun place to be. It, it looked did. like a, a real, like a, this is a type of NFL team I'd like to play for. And I think yes. guys on the league saw that. Look like they're having fun. They're enjoying things. I'm with you 100%. I talk about Aaron Rodgers, but near and dear, a, a former LSU Tiger. Where does Odell Beckham Jr. end up? What's the best fit mm. for him? You know, I, I the Chiefs situation would be so fun. I think that's the one I want to have happen, just to see what he would do with Patrick Mahomes. But I'm not sure he's I'm not sure he's going to land there. The Cowboys seem to be out now. They got Brandon Cooks. Right. Uh, well, I think the Jets are, are, are kind of the team that – if they can make it work, once they get Aaron Rodgers, once they, they have to get that settled. That That's holding them yep. up, and it's not good by any way, means. But right. now they kind of need another receiver that they traded Elijah Moore, which I hated that trade. I, I thought Elijah Moore was a really good player, and he's not getting paid I anything. Agree. But it might be to get the ammunition to get Rodgers, so whatever. But now <laughs> they kind of need another receiver. Like All of a sudden, it's uh, Lazard's good. Uh, Garrett Wilson's really, really good. But you kind of need a third guy. Odell Beckham could be an unbelievable two-slash-three two if he's healthy. So I think it's going to be just. I think eventually he'd even take a little bit less money to go back to New York. Being the he, he likes the spotlight. New York gives that to yeah. him. I think that that's where he ends up. Just don't give him an incentive laden contract. That is a recipe for disaster. Pay him, <laughs> but don't say you got to make these amount of catches to get this amount of money. That's going to be a disaster, Frank. Could be, could be. We'll see, though. I mean, if he ends up with uh, in that offense with Aaron Rodgers, might hit those incentives. I mean, might hit him. He, he, I still think he's got a lot left. I really do. I thought the way I he played too. with the Rams was eye-opening. And, you know, now it's yeah, – you get with a good quarterback in New York, a team yeah. you really want to be with, if you're healthy, yeah, I think you could have a really big year. 
Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. Enjoy the hoops, big guy. That's where I'll be. I know you'll be watching as well. We'll uh, we'll talk to you again down the road, man. Thank you so much as always. Absolutely. It's fun. Appreciate it. You're the best. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. We'll be back to uh, wrap this all up after our final timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You want to take your lady out for a nice dinner, but you're low on cash? Hey, no worries. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse and a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, both located at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. You can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com it's free it's simple so go sign up today here's three pieces of advice to live by never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state don't spit into the wind and always listen to the jordy holberg show on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station Right, it's 55 uh, minutes and some change after the hour. We're um, going to close things up. What a fun, fun show it was. Thanks to Matthew Bruni for the LSU report on LSU football, baseball, women's basketball. Blake Lavelle with his sweet 16 picks for today. Uh, should be some really, really, really good games. I cannot wait to watch them. Bill Riley out there in Salt Lake City with his report on the Utah Utes that Kim Mulkey's Tigers will face tomorrow and Frank Schwab. It's always fun talking to Frank about uh, things here, there in the NFL. We never script. We never rehearse or anything like that. We just th- throw things out there and he's, he's always, he's always uh, terrific. Terrific. Again, programming note tomorrow, LSU baseball, uh, first pitch against fifth-ranked Arkansas, one versus five, will be at 12 noon tomorrow here on the game. Then we'll go from Alec Box Stadium, Skip Burtman Field. We'll take you out to Greenville, South Carolina for LSU women versus the Utah Utes in the Sweet 16. So we got you covered all day uh, tomorrow. If today, March 23rd, is your birthday. Well, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. Um, Kyrie Irving, 31. Great talent. Just, ugh, I don't know. I don't know what a great talent he is. But mm. And one of the all-time great women's college basketball coaches. He built a dynasty at UConn. Gino Ariema is 69 years young today. 69. Happy birthday to Gino. Um, LSU baseball pitching will be everything. Arkansas, really good team. For LSU women, again, the key to this thing, Angel Reese, stay out of foul trouble. Alexis Morris, be aggressive. James Mesh, thank you for everything you do. Thanks to all of you for listening in. Thanks to our partners that make it happen and possible each and every day. Um, As always, stay thirsty, my friends. Let's be kind to one another and be happy. Until next time, I'm Jordy Hultberg. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh is next. So long, everybody.